Welcome to Crazy Good Talks with Deirdre Van Nest. In this podcast, we help growth-oriented financial advisors, leaders, sales professionals, and experts stand out and own the room every time they speak. Deirdre will empower you to grab and keep the attention of any audience, live or virtual, make emotional connections with your listeners, and inspire them to take action. Join us on this journey where Deirdre will empower you to become a more confident presenter and knock it out of the park when you speak. It's crazy good talks time, and your mentor is Deirdre Van Nest. Oh, but wait, 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 wait. Who is Deirdre really? I'm Patrice Sakora. Just a few weeks ago, Deirdre, you told me that being a mentor to others is a privilege you don't take lightly. You said it's important your listeners know who they're learning from so they feel confident you have the experience and the heart to teach them how to be crazy good speakers. So let's run with that. And let's talk about you, your story. All right. Where did you start? All right. Well, where do you want to start in my story? This is, you know, it's such a big question. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, were there any big life events that led you to where you are today? Yes, actually. So there were many, but let me, let me take the one that's most prominent and most relevant mm-hmm. to this, this topic of, of speaking. So let me, let me bring you back to the fall of 1983. I was 14 years old and just entering the ninth grade. And for the listeners or the listener who's trying to do the math, Patrice, I I know I was, I was too. Were you, you were doing the math? (laughs) You could have just asked me on 51. (laughs) That makes me 51. I'll save you from all that brain work. (laughs) Right. I'm going into high school and and I'm pretty excited about it because my high school had a really great theater program and I wanted to dive right in. If you had been with me this one particular September morning in my acting class, you would have seen my acting teacher, Mr. Smith. And Mr. Smith was this kind of shorter, stocky, older, probably about 51, um, balding, <laughs> yeah, old. He seemed so old then. Balding man. And he was one, he was just, he was very intimidating, Patrice. I don't know if did you ever have one of those teachers who yes. they, oh, yeah, yeah, like you just didn't know what they were gonna say to you, right? So he was one of these guys. So so this one morning he says, Deirdre, Jennifer, come up here and read this scene. I jump up and I'm a little nervous because, you know, he's intimidating. But I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait to show him what I can do. So Jennifer and I read the scene. He looks over at Jennifer and he says, Jennifer, well done. You could be the next Meryl Streep. Oh, really? Yes. Now, let's just go back to the 80s. I mean, Meryl Streep, she might be the best actor of all time. I'm I'm there with you. Sure. Right. Okay. But in the 80s, she was just emerging and it was like she was the buzz. She was the it girl. So let me give you a little background here, though. So let me give you a little background. Uh So since the fourth grade, I had been taking acting classes and I usually got a pretty good role in whatever uh, play that I was in. But just the year prior, it was my crowning role, Patrice. I was cast as Scrooge in the eighth grade musical of A Christmas Carol. Whoa. Yes. But you know what? You know what made getting that role so delicious for me? You beat out Jennifer. Well, not only did I beat out Jennifer and a bunch of girls, but I beat four boys for that part. Holy cow. I know. And this was a day where there was no cross gender roles. being Like no girls were getting boys parts back in that day. So this was a really big deal. When he tells her, you can be the next Meryl Streep. What do you think I'm thinking? Something better? 
something better. Like I remember thinking, oh my goodness, who is he going to say I can be? I cannot wait to hear what he says. So I look over at him. He looks over at me and he says, Deirdre, that stunk. <gasps> You're kidding. Oh, I'm not kidding. No acting teacher should ever say that to a ninth oh, grader. Oh, okay. And I, 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 I was devastated. Like I can understand. I was, I was uh, honestly. Do you ever have a conversation where it's like literally like a knife to the heart? Mm. You just don't even. You're so like taken mm. off guard. First of all, and it was the. It, it's just. Oh my gosh, it's not what I wanted. Even even now you can hear, right? Like I, it, it renders me speechless because it was so upsetting. So I remember uh, being very confused about that statement and thinking like, does he know that I was Scrooge? Like, how could that, you know, like I'm pretty good at this. Mm -hmm. How can that stink? And, and, and I beat Jennifer, right? And then I quickly realized that the entire class heard him call me out and I was humiliated. Oh, that's true. I didn't. And can you imagine as a 14 year old? That's so, no. yeah. And, and at that time, Patrice, I wore my nerve endings on the outside of my body. I like to say, I basically, my mom had died just a few years prior and life was not, life was not good. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't take much to crumble me. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. It didn't take much. So I remember just sitting down, not saying a word. And at the end of the semester, I quit acting. I wish I could tell you because of that moment, you know, I grew a thicker skin, right? Or I chalked it off to a bad day or bad opinion, but I didn't do that. And, and you know what else I didn't do? I didn't take the stage in any format, Patrice, no acting, no public speaking, no nothing for 24 years. Because of one comment by him. Yes. Yes. Uh, and you know what? I'll be honest. And I'm not going to blame him, Patrice. I mean, yeah, maybe he, he was careless w w with his words, but I'm, I'm sorry, not going to. I would blame him. I would blame him. <laughs> I would. I, I did in the beginning. I, I, I've come to realize that really, and this is this could be another conversation, <laughs> but it, it's really my relationship with fear like my that that held me back right. because of that moment. I just never wanted to hear the words you stink again in a public forum. So I avoided any type of speaking in a group for 24 years. I mean, even to the point where I, I got a master's degree back in the mid nineties as an occupational therapist. And in, in our end of the first year of the program, some of my classmates came up to me and they're like, Hey, would you want to run for class president next year for next year? And my first question, Patrice was, do I have to give a speech? That was my first question. In fact, that was my only question. And then they said, yeah. And I said, nope. No, what, what role can I run for? I don't have to give a speech. Well, I guess if you're vice president, you don't really have to give a speech. Great, I'll run for that. Whoa. Yeah. When did you realize that it was fear? So then, okay, so let's, let's like transport us uh, forward in time. Now we're in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I'm starting to notice that fear in general is becoming this constant theme in my life in terms of fear making decisions for me. Hmm. And I, I, I just kind of had to come to Jesus and was like, I, I need to start living differently. You know, like I, I don't want fear of what people are going to say, what people are going to think of what might happen, of rejection, of this, of that, anything you can imagine to continue to hold me back in my life. 
And one of the areas that I don't want it to hold me back is, is professionally. And so I went on what I, this relentless pursuit of what I now call fire my fear. I didn't call it that then, but now I call it fire my fear, Mm -hmm. which means you fire fear from the chief decision maker in your life. Like, whereas you might still be afraid, but you're not listening to what I call the voice of fear and making decisions based on listening to that voice. How did you do that? How strong you must have had to be? No, 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 it wasn't really about strength. Again, I'm all about strategy. (laughs) And and it was more about finding people to help me and putting a process and a strategy in place so that I started to really rewire my brain, quite honestly. So I started to learn how to make decisions from a different place. And so I was very fortunate. I'm going to recommend a book. Other than the Bible, Patrice, this book has changed my life more than anything I have ever read. And I think more than anything I will ever read. And the name of the book is Fearless Living by Rhonda Britton. Rhonda Britton, Fearless Living. Yes. Okay. And that book absolutely oh my gosh, it was like a light bulb going off. It, it, it changed my entire mindset on, on fear and how to manage fear. But she also gives you, and you know, I'm all about practical strategies, Patrice, mm-hmm. practical strategies you can start using immediately to start changing your relationship with fear. So that's where I started that. And, and you know, a prayer, scripture, my relationship with God. But, mm-hmm. but that, that's where I started. And then I quickly knew I needed someone to walk alongside of me in this journey. So I got a coach. And there's actually a Fearless Living Institute, if you can believe that. And there's Fearless Living Coaches. I start working with this coach, Cynthia. Within a year and a half, it has transformed my life. Um, but I'm still not speaking. So let's, we're going to pull that aside for a second. It's transformed right. my life so much so that I've now uh, realized that God is calling me to train and become a fearless living coach myself so that I can help other people in the same way that I was helped. Mm-hmm. So I train. That's a couple of year process. I become a fearless living coach. I get out there and this is now I'm bringing you up to 2008. I get out there. I join a networking group. I start, you know, uh, networking with a lot of people in the Twin Cities here where I live. And I am repeatedly told by everyone I talk to, one of the best ways to grow your business and get your name out there and help more people is to speak. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, no, you don't know who you're talking to. I don't do that. I don't do that. And after probably the 20th time of saying, I don't do that, I think God taps me on the shoulder and says, uh, Deirdre, you do realize that you're a fearless living coach. <laughs> well, yes, God, I do realize I'm a fearless living coach. So so let me get this straight, Deirdre. Um, you are teaching people to get over some of their biggest fears, and yet you are not willing to get past this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, One of the things that I hold near and dear as a tenant for my life is always walking my talk, Patrice. I'm not saying I do it perfectly or do it the first second, but if you call my attention to the fact that I'm not walking my talk, I make a change pretty quickly. And if it's happening to you every single day. (laughs) And I, so I had to change that. I had to change that. I had to start speaking. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) I, I got a book. As I mentioned in the last episode, I was like, someone needs to help me. And I didn't have enough money for a coach at the time. So I just needed to, I just needed to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I found my mentor, Craig Valentine. I found his book, World-Class Speaking, and I just followed it to a T. And I just thought, okay, if world-class speakers use this process, how bad can I be? I'm going to use this to bolster my confidence. And, and, and that helped immensely. I mean, I was still terrified, but it helped immensely. And, and I'll never forget the first time I got asked to speak. Oh my gosh. I didn't call the woman back for a week. 
And I, and I told her I had to check my calendar. I didn't have anything on my calendar. I was just starting my business. I had, I was checking my, my courage level. Right. So I got out there, Patrice. And, 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 and I started, I started noticing I could make an impact on people. Mm -hmm. Like I, I started noticing that I was helping people and, and I started noticing that, oh, this isn't that bad. You know, and I started noticing people aren't a hostile audience typically. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and they were, they were kind and they were nice. And I actually started noticing I enjoyed it. It's not that bad. That's the phrase no. right there. Yeah. Right. And, and so over time, then I started getting paid to speak. That was crazy. That was crazy to me. And it just sort of took off from there. But I'll tell you what made the change between me being a fearless living coach to now being a, a speaking coach and coaching people through the Crazy Good Talks Blueprint and my other program, the Emotionally Engaging Advisor, is one, I absolutely fell in love with the science behind speaking. Like once I started trying things and realized, oh my gosh, you don't have to be not scared and you don't even have to be good and you can be good, if that makes sense. Yeah. Holy moly. Right. And then I, I started teaching my fearless living clients some of the things that I was learning because they were all business owners and they wanted to bring in more business, too. So I started teaching them some of the things that I was learning while well, they started trying it out. They started getting great results. Whoa. And, yeah. And then and then I told you I was in this networking group. I was in this networking group and it was one of those groups where you had to go around and every week you got to give a 60 second commercial about who you right, were and the right, referral yeah. you were looking for, right? Well, I started, you know, I'm sitting in the group and I'm giving my fearless living commercials, but I'm, I'm you know, speaking now and I'm, I'm looking around the room and there were people where as soon as I got up to speak, the entire group just tuned them out, Patrice. Like yeah. they started texting yeah. under yeah. the table, right? They, they weren't paying attention. And my heart broke for those people. I mean, I, it devastated me. I mean, there was this one guy, I'll never forget him, Andrew, the attorney, Great guy, really cared about his clients, was very skilled, but he could not communicate his value to save his life. And people tuned him out. And I thought, this, this should not be this way. Every voice matters. Everyone has a mission. And if you cannot communicate that mission in a way that gets other people to sit up and listen and take action, I think not only do you lose, the clients you're supposed to help loses, and I think the, the world loses. I thought, I want to help people with that. I want to help everyone find their voice and be able to communicate their voice in a way that's powerful. And so in 2011 and 12, I switched the direction of my career. I got certified by my mentor from the book all those years ago, Patrice Craig Valentine. I got certified as a world-class speaking coach, started coaching others, and then I developed my own process that I now call the Crazy Good Talks Blueprint. What was the topic of the very first talk you gave that you got paid for? Oh, it was about fear. It was fire your fear. Okay. Yep. Okay. It was firing your fear. All right. Now, here you've been talking about your working life and how you finally found what you should be doing. Yes. What's your personal side, though? Do you do anything for fun? What's important? <laughs> There's no personal. Um, <laughs> oh, for many years, is. you know, when you're building a business, it is a grind in the beginning. I mean, it's a happy grind because you're loving it. But man, it was a lot. It was a lot. I've been in my business about 13 years now. And in the beginning, it was a lot. But no, I like to travel. And hopefully that comes back at some point because I really do like to oh, travel. Yeah. 
I do enjoy exercise. My family and I were big boaters. My husband has his uh, merchant marine license, his hundred ton captain's license. So Whoa, we, nice. we do a lot of boating. Yeah, yeah, that's super fun. We do a lot of boating. I absolutely love to read, love, love, love to read. And then my new hobby, this is my new hobby is pistol shooting. Okay. And that's been really fun. I really like, I really like, there's so much to learn about guns and gun safety. And there's a mm-hmm. lot there. I like to be competitive with myself. Like I go to the range and I give myself a challenge. I put up a target and I say, okay, I'm going to shoot in the upper left quadrant. And then I see how many I can get there and how close I can get them together. And it's just, it's just fun. I really like it. The great challenge. Yeah, it is. It, and I don't need anyone else. Like I can just go. I mean, my, 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 my friend, you know, I go with some friends, but I can just do it myself. And that's really nice. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm terrible at it. I can't even hit the, the target. Well, I think with practice and some, probably if you got some lessons, you could. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I'll go to the batting cages. That I know I can hit. Okay, there you go. I'm the opposite. That I can't. Here's the thing with me. This is weird. I can't hit things coming at me. <laughs> like I'm bad at baseball, <laughs> softball. I'm bad at tennis, anything coming at me, but I have really good hand-eye coordination if I'm going towards something. Does that make sense? Like pistol shooting, I could be decent at golf, skee-ball, man, I am oh, good ski at ball. ski-ball. Oh, yes. Oh, I am ski-ball good at ski-ball. So that kind of thing I'm good at, but if a ball is coming at me, I'm like one of those people who's like cowering and putting my hands over my head. That's interesting. I got picked last for gym all the time. It was awful. Oh. Well, if it was dodgeball, that was me too. Yes. Oh, I was hiding in the corner for dodgeball. <laughs> but skee-ball, oh, we've got to get a date together. Oh, I would here. love that. I now, love what, what's important to you in your life? You say you like to read. Are there certain topics you like to read or or what's important in your life? Yeah, what's important to me, um, anyone who knows me would say that, you know, my faith is the is the most important thing in my life. I didn't, it wasn't always that way. A whole other story. I, I grew up hating God because I felt he took my mother from me. Mm-hmm. But I, man, do I love God, Patrice. Uh, the, pre, the pre-Jesus Deirdre and the post-Jesus Deirdre, I almost don't even recognize them. They're, they're two different people. And so I'm super grateful to my relationship with God and Jesus. Just oh, love Jesus to pieces. So that's really important to me. So, I, you know, I read the Bible. I read, you know, Christian books. I'm really, really committed to philanthropy. I really do believe he who is given much has to give back. Mm-hmm. And so I absolutely love finding causes that are important to me and being able to to donate back and give back to those causes. And I, I believe, you know, people talk about, are you a, you know, Republican, Democrat, what are you, blah, blah, blah. And I like to say I'm a human-centered capitalist. I like it. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. So I, I believe it capitalism at its core, but I believe, you know, we need to be human centered as capitalists. Mm-hmm. So how do we do this in a way that everybody wins and we can pull other people up with us? So I'm always looking for that opportunity to pull people up. My family, super important. Being the mom, I have two teenagers and I got to say, Patrice, the joy of my life is being the mom I didn't get to have. Yeah. 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 That is special. Yeah, it is. It is special. And then, and then, and then my friends, super, super important to me. Deidre, do you have a mantra, a motto, something you you say to yourself to keep you focused? Yeah, I I have a few things. So the one that's been constant for many years, and this goes back to my fearless living days, is if you're not afraid, you're not playing a big enough game. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's something I tell my clients all the time. It's one of the principles, I, the three key principles to firing your fear. One of them is your perspective on fear. And this is, the, this is the, uh, one of the perspectives, one of the truths in life. 
that that I share with my clients. And, and so that really helps me, Patrice, whenever I'm feeling afraid <laughs> or uncertain, I remind myself that, hey, it, it's normal to feel afraid. It's the choice we make about it that makes the difference in life. And, and I also use it because there are times I, I don't want to be someone who coasts, right? Like you can't choose a life of growth and comfort. They, they don't really coexist. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be comfortable in your life and coast some of the time. I think we all need that downtime when you're coasting. But if, if I go into a period where I'm really comfortable for a length of time, I start saying to myself, okay, Deirdre, it's time to start feeling afraid. Because if I'm not afraid, I'm not playing a big enough game and it's time to get into growth mode again. You get bored. It's not even bored. I could be very happy in my comfort. <laughs> I could be very, very happy in my comfort. But what I realize is I'm stagnating and that I don't want. Right. Because I, again, I believe going back to this idea of human-centered capitalism, you know, I believe that we're put on this earth by God to strive for excellence and to help others. If I stagnate, Patrice, it means you stagnate. Well, with that in mind, do you have some scripture verses that you use? I do. You know, I have different scripture verses that I use at, at different times, depending on what I'm working on right now. And then in, in my life right now, that comes from Isaiah 30, verse 18. And I love this. And I think this is just uh, maybe someone listening needs to hear this today. But the beginning of the verse says, and therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking and longing to be gracious to you. And I love that. I love the image of God looking down at us and looking around and wanting to be kind and loving and gracious to us. That is so much promise. Yes. Yes. Promise there. Yes. Because I got to say, I got to say, and people don't know this of me. They don't believe this of me. I, I, if I don't really soak my mind with what's true, I can buy into the waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of mindset just because of what happened to me growing up. What do you mean? Like, oh my gosh, this is the best year I ever had in my business. Well, when's the other shoe going to drop? It's got to be horrible next year. Oh, oh, I gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes. And I know, it, I know it goes back to trauma-related responses and thinking, right? I lost my mom. I mean, I kissed her goodbye one minute and she was gone the next. There's this part of me, Patrice, that old wiring that's always waiting for the other shoe to drop. For me, the only thing that's helped is really bathing my brain in scripture and realizing like, no, God's not up there trying to like get me. Mm-hmm. He, he longs for me and wants to be gracious to me. And hopefully that helps someone else who's listening. What are some of the achievements you're really proud of? Mm. Besides getting over your fear? Yeah, I am proud of that one. It, yeah. it's, taken, it's taken a lot. It's taken a lot, quite honestly, to, to get to this place. Some of the achievements I'm most proud of is actually a client recently told me a couple of weeks ago, uh, a host who hired me to host an event for a big insurance company said, wow, I can't believe you held attention for that long in a virtual setting. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a two, I'll get that a lot when I speak for a half day or a day. And I treasure those, those compliments too. But this was a two hour virtual workshop. And that's a long time virtually. Yeah. And we had, we had people staying on even 15 minutes after we closed to ask more questions. More than half the audience. That must have been very powerful. So that was very powerful and very rewarding. But I'll tell you what actually excites me the most about a compliment like that 
is it's not because Deirdre is so dynamic that she can hold the attention of an audience for that length of time. You know why that happens to me on a regular basis, Patrice? Why? Because of the process I teach. Uh-huh. It's totally okay. about how I structure my content. And so when I get a compliment like that, it's a win for my clients because if they structure their content, the way I structure my content, they too will be able to hold the attention of any audience for any like the time, whether it's live or virtual. With that in mind, what is one thing listeners can do right now to begin this they, they, if they want to join to become a crazy good speaker? Well, the first is really a mindset shift. We're going to get into actionable like speaking skills in the in the next episodes, right? And starting with the next one. But I would say the first thing is if you're someone who doesn't think you can be good at this or you're afraid, you can. So start changing your self-talk. Think about my story. Trust me. If I can be up here not only being a highly paid international keynote and trainer, but teaching others how to do this. From where I came from, you can do this too. And I really want to encourage you to write down that mantra everywhere you can and everywhere you're going to be looking. If I'm not afraid, I'm not playing enough, you know, not playing a big enough game. And then on the flip side, if you're already really great and successful at speaking, I want to encourage you to have an open mind and realize if you, if you haven't trained or you haven't trained on structure, Right. You may have you have maybe you have maybe coached with our coaches, you've trained on delivery, but if you haven't trained on your writing skills and how you structure your content, keep an open mind and recognize that you too will get massive value from this podcast. It will likely be a game changer for you the way it's been for many of my highly accomplished clients in this area. You have a great quote from James Hume. This, that brings it all together. Yes. I want to bring it back. If if you believe like I do, that every time you speak, you're auditioning for leadership. I really want to encourage you to tune into this podcast because I would be honored to walk alongside you in this journey. I would be honored to be your guide and your mentor. And how can someone contact you if they want to learn more now? Yeah, the simplest way is to go to my website, crazygoodtalks.com. Crazy Good Talks is with an S, so talks is plural. Crazygoodtalks.com. And then I'm very active on LinkedIn. Lots of great content there as well. Follow me on LinkedIn. Ask me to connect with you. I'm an open networker, so I would love to have you in my personal sphere. There you go. This is only episode two. We've got a lot more coming, and make sure you get to episode one if you missed it. And make sure you get an alert when the latest Crazy Good Talks podcast from Deirdre Van Nest is available. Just subscribe using the subscribe button on this page, and you can share with the share button. I'm Patrice Sikora, and we'll talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Good Talks podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Accelerated Performance, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 